Amen. So good. Well, praise the Lord. Are you ex- Thank you, Tom. Are you excited to hear the Word of God? Thank you to two people. Are you excited to hear the Word of God? Hallelujah. What changes our lives is the Word of God. Amen. So good to see the kids dancing. Uh, so awesome. Thank you, Pastor Don and the team for... Um, holiday program and when Tamron was talking I was thinking Tamron came when she was what how old were you Tamron eight nine eight ten so now she's 16 you know so she came through dance school and kids holiday program and then now she's leading it that's cool isn't that good yeah give her a hand please so good so good amen so good awesome so, Father, before we all talk, open your word, we pray. Lord, we open our hearts to you. Speak to us. May we hear your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to talk. Um, they'll be doing a three-week series from now till the 22nd of October uh, called Divine Appointments. And on the 29th, we have a guest speaker from the UK. And he's an evangelist, but he also can minister the Word of God. And so he's going to come and he's actually going to minister to us on the 29th. On the 28th of October, on Saturday, he's going to talk to us. We're going to do a special meeting on how how to witness to our neighbors. How do we witness to our friends? So please... Come along to that because we are all called to be witnesses. Amen. We are all witnesses. Hallelujah. So you know, that's for the evangelists. No, no, no. It's for all of us. So come along on the 28th. You will be blessed. I understand he's preaching at uh, City Impact, at Peter Mortlock's church and a few other churches. So it's great to have him over here on the 28th and the 29th. Okay. So please mark that in your diaries. Amen. Cool. So divine appointments. And divine appointments are, are very divine, you know, <laughs> um, because one, one meeting, one conversation, one time together can transform lives with God. You're all here because you've had a divine appointment with God. Amen. Either God spoke to you directly or someone led you to the Lord. But you had a divine encounter or a divine appointment with God or with a person. Amen. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't be here today. Now it could be your parent when you were a little kid that they started teaching. And some time along, you at age of five or three or eight or ten, you go, yes, God is for me. And you have the divine appointment with God where everything comes alive within you. Amen. So, you know, God is a God of generations. Amen. He doesn't just save us and kill us and send us to heaven. He saved us so that you and I can be the salt and the light of the earth. You don't need to be the salt and the light in heaven. Amen. But we are called to be a salt and light here on earth. And we declare, and, and I want to say that we, you know, our past doesn't determine our future. Amen. Amen. 
Our past doesn't determine our future. It doesn't matter what past you had. The day you've given your heart to the Lord now, your future is, is engraved in the eternal word of God and he leads you and guides you. Amen. Uh, it's not on the screen, but Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter. Amen. The path of the righteous is getting brighter and brighter. What does that mean? You and I are righteous. Hallelujah. And when you think that, oh my goodness, my path is getting darker. No, it's getting brighter. Because God is in front of you. God is in you. You may abandon God, but God never abandons you. True? Hallelujah. And um, nothing is ever an impediment to God. You know, he can take our dire circumstances and use it for his glory. He can take a messy situation and use it as a message. Amen. All right. And so the book of Ruth is that it's a story like that where it's a, it's a love story between, uh, between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. It's a beautiful story. And uh, it's a love story between Ruth and, um, and Boaz too. And this, the, it's one of the only two books that are um, named after two women. You know, it's, uh, uh, there are only two books in the Bible that are named after two women. Number one is Ruth and number two is Esther. Amen. It's the only book in the Old Testament named after a non-Jewish person. Have you thought about that? Ruth was not a Jewish person. She was a non-Jew. She was a Moabite woman. And I'll explain those things. But I'm just putting this morning a bit of a context here. I want you to follow with me because this morning I'm covering four chapters in probably 35, 40 minutes. Okay? And uh, I, want you, I want you to see me as your tour guide today. Alright, you're to a guide, you know, I'm going to, as we drive along, I'll stop and say, that was this, 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 and we move on, but I want to get you to a destination, and the destination today is not a history lesson, but to show you that in your mess, Christ still works. Even when you don't understand, He's got it all under control. Amen. And that his divine plans will come to pass. And how if we respond to God through our obedience to his word. That we can become part of a legacy. And, the, and we can think about survival. But God is not worried about your survival. God wants to fulfill his plan. His great grand plan in your life. Not just for you. But generations to come after you. Amen. You're worried about your little paycheck. You're worried about your bills. You're worried about... Forget that. God is in control of your life. So that's what I want to talk about. But we're going to go through this, okay? The book of Ruth opens with a famine and closes with a family. Because God is a God of restoration. Hallelujah. It's a book of providence. The idea that God takes natural events to work out a supernatural outcome. Amen. It's a book of providence. It's a book of conversion. A non-Jewish girl gives her heart to God. And then I want to show you later. It's like a climax. But I want to show you later how God weaves her in to the legacy. It's pretty cool. It's a book of redemption. 
where one party pays the price to buy the freedom of someone else. And in our context, we understand we are all redeemed by Jesus Christ. Why? Because he paid the price on the cross for you and I. So that you don't get all comfortable, have a good Christian comfortable life and go, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go on a Sunday but I live my own life. No, that he redeemed you so that you can follow Jesus for the rest of your life and stop begging like blind Bartimaeus. We heard that last week. Amen. And now a cool thing that we forgot to, but God's weaving all this. When I was in Malaysia, God was stirring me. Peter, get hungry, get hungry, get hungry. Then I come back, go to the conference and we were all sitting there and the preachers were talking about hunger and we were all sitting as a team and we're going, we got to get hungry, we got to get hungry. And Dan preaches last Sunday morning. He's got no clue what we've been through and he goes, we got to call upon the name of God. Get hungry. I mean, he didn't talk that way, but you know what I'm talking about? But I'm saying, I'm not listening to people, I'm listening to God. God wants us to get hungry. Hallelujah. So the book of Ruth. Back to the book of Ruth. Okay. The, and so this is just a bit of background here. And there are four chapters in the book of Ruth. So that's why I'm attempting this. Because it's only it took about 20 minutes to read it. But I tell you what. I spent a lot of hours chewing the fat on this verses. 85 verses in the book of Ruth. Beautiful. Chapter 1 is about love resolves a resolve. Chapter 2 is about love response. Chapter 3 is about love request. Chapter 4 is about love rewarding. Because chapter 1 is about Ruth resolves to follow her mother-in-law Naomi. Chapter 2 is about love response. Ruth responds to Boaz and Boaz responds to Ruth. And that's a typology of we respond to God because God already responds to us in New Testament. Amen. You know, so uh, we respond to God. And love's request, Ruth says to Boaz, marry me. Pick me. Hallelujah. It's like we're saying, God, I give my life to you. Hallelujah. He's forever the same yesterday, today, and forever. And love's reward, which is a wedding, big feast, big celebration. Hallelujah. Because we got to have the legacy. We got, I don't want to live my life for now. Because that life to live now is just boring. You know, and I'm telling you, when you love Jesus, I don't think life is boring. It shouldn't be boring if you're a Christian. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Are we ready now? So we're going to go, we're going to start slow. We're going to ramp it up. All right? And then we're going to slow down again. And we're going to close. All right? Are you with me? Cool. So bear with me. I've been praying a lot. God, help me. I need your wisdom. I want to teach what you want me to teach today. My first point, okay? I've got how many points? I've got three points, two, four points, four points. My first point is full stomach, empty heart. Full stomach, empty heart. Do you know, it talks to us today too because we are all full of stuff in our life. we got more than enough cars. Some have more than enough houses. Some have more than enough toys in the house. Some have more than clothes you need. More than more shoes than you need. You go, your stomach is full, but your heart is empty. Amen. You can feast, but you're miserable. 
Anyway, let's go. Let's go. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. Okay, that's the first pause. We are all in the bus. I'm the, what do you call me? Guide, tour guide. Okay, let's stop at Ruth 1, verse 1 to 5. Okay. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in a country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. Okay, and we st- I want to pause here in verse 1 because it teaches us and tells us that this story took place during the time of Judges. And to be more precise, around Judges chapter 19, I think. And, and uh, so the story is related with the Judges. And the time of Judges was a time of rebellion. It was a time of rebellion. It was, a, uh, it was a dark days and days of apostasy. Rejecting God and His Word. It was a time of relativ- relativism. A belief that knowledge, truth and morality exists in relation to culture. Not with the word of God and society and not an, on absolute truth. And we live in this society now of relativism is like, hey, if the culture says that, let's go with that. And that's what happened back then. And it's a, uh, there were no kings in Israel back then. And Judges 21 verse 25, it's not on the screen, but the, cha- the book of Judges, the last chapter, last verse, finishes like this. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own ways. Isn't that interesting? When you don't have God, when you don't have accountability, we all do what we want to do. Forget judges, it speaks to us today. Amen. We, we want to do what we want to do. It's my life. In, back in the 90s, there was a song, it's my life. Now somebody's singing it. Yeah, there you go. Say, it's, not, it's your life, but it's a gift from God. Don't abuse it, but use it for Him. Because He can take your life like that. Amen. Anyway. Let's keep going. So it's a, back then it was a, 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 in the book of Judges and it was all rational. Rational is an outlook attached to human intellect than divine instruction. Human intellect than divine instruction. I think a lot of us live on human intellect. It makes sense to me, common sense. Let me tell you, your common sense sometimes don't, doesn't glorify God. Being pragmatic doesn't mean holy. It works for me, but does it work for God? Does it please God? Amen. Going on my phone and checking Instagram while I'm in church, does it please God? Doing my washing during church time, does it please my God? No. All right, I better be disciplined. So I'm stopping here in verse 1, and I'm just kind of giving you a bit of background here. And it was during this time of um, relativism, during this time of rationalizing, during this time of um, this whole where people didn't follow God's instructions. They made their own rules as it felt good for them. And uh, that's where the book of Ruth starts. Okay? And I'm giving you a reason for this here. So Ruth 1 verse 1 says, 
In the days when the judges ruled Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in a country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. See, the man's name in verse 2, we will read, the man's name is Elimelech. Can we put the names here? I want to give you some names here, the meanings of the names. The, see, I've given you the names here. The man's name is Elimelech. Elimelech means God is king. But Elimelech didn't make God his king. He made his stomach his king. Because there was famine in, 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 in Bethlehem, so he decided to go to Moab. But if only he chose to say, God, you are my king. I trust you, not the circumstances. He would have been blessed. God is my king. And then there are other names. So you have Naomi. Naomi means pleasant one. But she calls herself Mara, bitter. Malon means weak or sickly. And Killian means uh, failing, pining or crying. So they, Naomi and Elimelech named their children Sicko and Crybaby. And Ruth, their daughter-in-law. So Elimelech is the father. Naomi is the wife, uh, husband and wife. And the children is Mahlon and Killian. And Ruth is uh, Mahlon's uh, wife. Friend, Ruth means friend. Orpah, second daughter-in-law, means fawn. And Boaz means strength. These are the key characters here. Are you following me this morning? Because to tell you divine appointments, it's not like, oh, divine appointment. No, God is working right here in your mess to bring his message here, which is a divine appointment. What God wants us to do is when we start, is to trust in him. In our circumstances. So to teach you one point, I'm saying, before I give you the keys to the car, darling, I want to teach you what is a steering wheel, what is an accelerator, what is a brake, where's engine. Teaching you all this so that you can jump in the car and drive. Hey, Tamron. Yeah, she's learning to drive. Go 16-year-olds. You know, more traffic in Auckland. Hallelujah. So, um, verse 2, the man's name was Elimelech. We know now. And his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Mahlon and Killian. They were, they were Ephratus, which means, I want to pause again, means people from the fruitful, fruitful place. Ephratus means people from fruitful place. That's where Elimelech and Naomi are from. Hallelujah. They were already called fruitful people. People from a fruitful place, sorry. But they, he went to Moab, which is not part of God's will, to find, to, to be more fruitful. Can I say we are fruitful people? We are blessed people. Amen. Amen. We are blessed people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed man or woman. You are blessed woman. You're a blessed man. It's. You're blessed not because your account bank statements is healthy. No, you're blessed because God's hand is on you. Amen. You're blessed because he's chosen you. Yes. You lack nothing in Christ. Because if I have Christ, we sing the song, Christ is enough for me. We sing it, we go out and go, man, my stomach is empty. Oh, my stomach is full. I need to fill my stomach. My heart is empty. Anyway, let's keep going here. 
So, they're from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, I will pause again. Moab means a land just short of promised land. Just short of promised land. So, I want you to understand. Elimelech and Naomi, Mahlon and Killian were in the promised land. They choose to leave the promised land to go just short of promised land into Moab. Why? Because of relativism, humanism, every other ism, they've lost their spiritualism. It makes sense to me, so I'll go do it. I'll pack my bags and go because I get more money. Yes, you might go get more money. Your stomach is full, but your heart is empty. Amen. How many of us are seeking first the wealth and then God comes sixth or seventh? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first what? Not a woman. Seek ye first the kingdom before you become dum-dum. If there is no seeking kingdom, we all become dum-dum. We say dumb things. We do dumb things. Our decisions are dumb. So keep seeking the kingdom. All right. Are you following me? All right. So please, I'm the tour guide today. I'm taking a different line in my preaching style today to bring a point to you. So they settled in a just short of promised land called Moab. Verse 3. Then what happens? Boom. Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. They should have never done that. That was improper thing to do. It may be convenient, but it is not glorifying Jesus. Amen. If you're a boyfriend and a girlfriend, it's convenient for you to travel and share the same bedroom because you pay only one room. It's convenient because you save another $200 for another room, but it does not glorify God. Amen. It's convenient. There are a lot of convenient Christianity people. Are you with me? And then we put the salt of, oh, God's grace is there upon me. Don't fool yourself. Good laugh, whoever laughed. That was good. Don't deceive yourself, in other words. Amen. So, the father, the father died. She was left with two sons. The sons decide to marry Moabite women who are non-Jew people. Who are, in our context is non-Christians. You marry non-Christian. See, if you want to marry someone, marry someone who has the same values as you in God. The six-pack will become one-pack. But the values will always be the same because they're founded by the Word of God. Don't fool yourself to go, oh, but I like him. Oh, he's nice to me. He's nice to you now. Give him 10 years. And if you're planning to date, please find someone who loves Jesus more than he loves you. If he can't love God more than you, break up. Because he's got to love God first. She's got to love God first. Come back. So far all right? 
I said, we're going slow. How are we going to finish? We're still in verse 4. The sons married Moabite woman. Okay. One married a woman named Orpah and another married a woman named Ruth. About 10 years later, both uh, Sicko and Crybaby died. <laughs> Mahalon and Killian died. The verse says that. Sicko and Crybaby died. And they left, <laughs> this left Naomi alone without her two sons and a husband. She goes into Moab full, but she is now empty. She's empty because she may have a little bit of money, but she doesn't have a security. She doesn't have a protection. She's got no legacy anymore. She's got money, but no legacy. She's got money, but no future children. She's left all alone and miserable because both Siko and Crybaby died. Don't name your children Siko and Crybaby. Hey, Siko, come here. Crybaby. My two older children pick on my youngest and they call him Crybaby sometimes and he just cries. Well, I said, why are you crying? They call me Crybaby. Then stop crying, baby. <laughs> stop crying, man. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go fast. So the, 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 the setting in the first half, in the first verse is what happened. And then the second half from verse 1 to 5 is God moved. God, you know, God might uh, move, you know, from, uh, uh, from uh, even, even the, sorry, she left, uh, she lost her farm. She lost her husband. She lost her children. She lost her wealth and security. Amen. Everything she cared for, she lost it. Everything she valued, the, 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 the farm she cared for, she lost it. The people she loved, she lost it. The wealth and security she cherished, she lost it. Why? Because she went to Moab. All right, let's move on. Let's pick verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So my, Naomi and her daughter-in-laws got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland, which is back to Bethlehem, Jerusalem. When her two, Judah, when her two daughter-in-laws set out from the place where they had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. So now I want to stop there. And I want to talk about this. So she goes and she, as she's on a journey, she tells her daughter-in-laws, hey, look, I'm going to my homeland. Now you have to understand she's broken. She's miserable. She lost her husband and her children. Amen. So now she's broken. And she says, guys, I want you to go back to your own homes. Go back to your mom and dad. And so that I can go back into my hometown and be miserable. So they all stand, sit and cry. Orpah cries, Ruth cries. And Naomi says, please go back. And, um, and so what happens is, uh, in, uh, uh, Orpah leaves, she goes. And um, sometimes, you know what, we need to leave, let people go that want to go. If Orpah in your life wants to go, don't hold on to Orpah. Let her go. Let those people go. Let the job go. Let the relationship go if it's making you miserable. Amen. I'm not talking about married, wife and husband. Don't let that go. Pastor said, I have to let you go. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. So don't you be cheeky today. Okay. 
But certain relationships, you got to let go. And I'll show you that. I'm going to ramp it up soon. Soon we're going to ramp up. And so sometimes we, looking at the story too, in our grief, we hurt people who are close to us. Amen? We hurt people that are close to us. We push people that are close to us away. But I thank God Orpah left, but Ruth never left. Okay? Um, let's pick up from verse 11 here, please. Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Go on with me. Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up and be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I'm too old to marry again. See, Naomi's focus is all about her, not about God. She's like, look at me, I'm miserable. Why do you want to hang out with the misery? Sicker died, crybaby died, God, my king died. I am supposed to be pleasant one, but I'm bitter. Get out. And so she says, oh no, you know, please go. How can I find? I can't marry, I'm too old. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you. See? She's speaking out of misery. Your stomach is full, but your heart is empty. Ooh. You have a comfortable bed, but you haven't slept for five days. Haha. Uh -huh. You pay 10 grand for that bed, but you can't sleep more than 10 minutes. Ooh. All right. So what happens here? Let's move on. Holy Spirit, help me. So things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. That is, I find that fascinating. When she chooses to disobey God, now she's blaming God. There are so many people who choose to disobey God and then they say, God doesn't love me. No, you're walking in disobedience. You walked away from the covering of God and then you say, God doesn't love me? No, God loves you. Come under the covering of God. Get aligned with the word of God. Amen. Okay, so Orpah left. If someone or something needs to go, let it go. Amen. All right. So then let's read verse 14. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi isn't that good? I like that. Ruth didn't listen to Naomi. Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to your people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth, here is the conversion. Here is a supernatural uh, uh, kind of Holy Spirit dealing with her. You know, Ruth said, don't ask me to leave or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Whatever you, wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And get what? Your God, Jehovah, Yahweh God, will be my God. Not the Moabite God, but your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. What she's doing is what Miller and Callum and a few other guys have done a few Sundays ago. They're saying, I choose not to walk the worldly ways. I renounce my God of money. 
I renounce my God of wealth and I make God, Jesus, my the Lord of my life and now I choose to follow him. In sickness and in health. Thank you, I forgot the vows. You know, in all those, I choose to serve God. Amen? And follow God. Ruth 1.19 So the two of them continued on their way when they came to Bethlehem. The entire town was excited at their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made my life a very bitter for me. Once again, I want to say, when you walk away from the will of God, you will have your stomach full, but you'll have your heart empty. There is no joy. You might be earning 150K, 200K, drive fancy cars, wear fancy clothes. Who is your God? What is your God? What are you chasing after? Your stomach is full. You eat fancy food. You only shop at the expensive grocery store. But your heart is empty. She calls herself Mara because she lost everything she cherished. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? The Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. I think Elimelech didn't discern the purposes of God in his life. I want to encourage us. One thing we need to understand is to know the will of God over our life. God is not into lotto. God is not into pragmatism. God is into his own ways. We are to follow his ways. Amen. If Elimelech, who really made God his king, he would have done what God wanted him to do. But he didn't do that. Are you following with me? Okay. In Matthew 16, 25, it says, if you're trying to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So what are you doing? Are you losing your life for the gospel or are you trying to save it? What do you want to give your children? Just a full stomach and no God? What kind of legacy? Do you want to leave them with some money and a cash and a house and that's it? No God? Let's go to Ruth chapter 2 and verse 3. So Ruth went out to gather. I'm going to touch on a few scriptures now. Now we're going to speed up a bit. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, the Bible says, and it, as it happened, nothing happens by accident in God. Amen. There is no fingers crossed in God. Fingers crossed? Lucky? There's no lucky. There's no fingers crossed in God. Everything happens because He has ordained it for you. Truly, if you walk away from him, it's ordained. If you walk back and walk with him, it's ordained. He prefers you walk with him so that you can walk in the blessings of God. That God is your king, amen. Not just your king, but he is the Lord of your life. 
That means he's a lot of your budget. He's a lot over your family. You know, and I've been thinking about this too. And our car and I, we, every year we budget and all those things too. Our budgeting is not based on what we get and what we... Our budgeting is about kingdom budget. If we budget according to what the world says, we can't survive. But we budget according to what God says. It's kingdom budget. If God wants us to give, we give. It's not common sense, but we'd rather obey God than obey common sense. Are you with me? So my second point is God uses natural events to effect a supernatural outcome. Because as it happened, as it happened, she met Boaz. She found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Boaz means strength. Boaz in the end married. As it happened, think about it, as it happened, I stood by this divine appointment. I stood at the counter. I met that guy. Joseph was sharing that last week. I, as it happened, it doesn't happen, but are you willing for the divine appointments? Ruth went down out of need, but God created a divine appointment. Why? Because she wanted to serve God. I'm touching on these, but I hope and pray that you'll go home and read the entire book. She found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Ruth 2, verse 11. Let's jump to verse 11. And yes, I know, Boaz replied. I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Boaz is a born again believer in our context. Look at Ruth's testimony. Ruth came from a non-Christian family. Now the whole town is talking about Ruth. Because her testimony is of God. So God uses natural, there's divine. You may think what can happen. Don't try to strive. You know, have you been in places, you know, have you tried to apply for job after job after job after job after job, but do you realize you don't get the job because God is saying, look, I am the one that provides. Not your education. It is me who opens the door for you. How come somebody who is low educated goes to an interview with a casual attitude and lands the job? How? As it happened. Who made it happen? Christ did. Where did they put their trust in? Not on their abilities, not greasing up to the boss to be, but in Christ. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? If I scratch your back, you scratch my back. That's the world we live in. Jesus didn't scratch his back. His back was whipped for you and I. So that your back is covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I'll move fast. So God uses natural events to effect supernatural outcome. She was out of her need. She told her mother-in-law, I'll pick up the, the grain. I'll come home and divine appointment. God, made, sorry, God ordains Ruth to meet Boaz. How cool is that? The other thing I want to say, be faithful with what God has given you. God will orchestrate your life well. Trust God. 
Amen? Don't be desperate for things. Be desperate for God. Okay. Now let's jump to verse, chapter 3, verse 1. And I've called this point, obedience is required for godly outcome. Because what happens in chapter 2 is there is this engagement, there's this divine appointment between Boaz and Ruth and Naomi and Ruth's dialogue and Boaz and Ruth's dialogue. But as it happened, and then obedience is required for a godly outcome. Ruth chapter 3 verse 1. One day Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter-in-law, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his own young woman. Tonight he is winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Let the man eat, please, first. You want to talk to him? Feed him first. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor at that, that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. Do you know sometimes, I just want to say, sometimes we need to listen to people that God puts in our life. Amen? We need to listen to people that God puts in our life. Ruth did not listen to Mara, but Ruth chose to listen to Naomi. When Mara spoke out of bitterness, Ruth said, no, I'm not listening to you. But when Naomi, in the pleasant one, spoke, she listened to her. Just by listening to her mother-in-law, and I want to show you in chapter 4, and I'm going to close. I think I'm doing okay. But I want to show you, this is the divine appointment. When you listen to godly advice, it might be awkward. I mean, imagine me telling my daughter, honey, look like a babe. Put makeup on. Okay, get dressed. I mean, she's 20s, okay, not now. Okay, you got to attract that man. She goes, dad, that's a cringe. We don't do it that way. Get lost, dad. She never speaks like that. She doesn't. I'm blessed to have a 16-year-old to be to speak very nicely to me. Uh, but it takes a lot of work. Amen. <laughs> Parents, amen. Yes. Yeah. And nothing happens overnight. You want godly kids? It's a desire. Work on them. Work on them. What, not what, I'm, I'm digressing, but what, it's not what you talk. It's how you behave is what they copy. Amen. If you, want, if you think, oh, I've worked hard, I had a hard day, I'm going to put my feet up and I'm going to do whatever you do. You're teaching your kids something, but you're showing them how to live. That's a bad life. Be an example. Well, if you want to know how well I'm a, of an example I am, talk to my daughter. No, don't talk to her. She will tell you the truth. <laughs> but you see, Naomi said to Ruth, I want you to listen to me, please. Go and lie down at the feet of Boaz. Divine appointment. Divine appointment. 
because thank God for Ruth listening to Naomi. In chapter 1, thank God she didn't listen to Naomi and Ruth Mara. But in chapter 3, thank God she listened to Naomi. And she did exactly. Look at her willingness. Sometimes oh, if you say that I don't like to be put under pressure. I don't like to do what you want me to do. Who made you god over my life? Come on. What you're doing is you're deceiving yourself because your will is stronger than the will of God in your life. Who made you god over my life? I just don't like pressure. Honey, pressure is good. Positive pressure is good. Even giving birth is positive pressure. You're not just not walking in the daffodil gardens and oh my baby fell off. Oh hallelujah. It doesn't happen like that. We want ah you know nothing is ah It's hard work. It's commitment. It's conviction. It's eyes on Jesus. Yes, I don't my stomach rather I have my stomach empty and my heart full than have my stomach full and my heart empty. Are you with me? You build your careers but you lose your family. Well, we finish. Last point. But I want to say this, please, please listen, allow people to speak to you. have people in your life to speak to you if you're in your 40s you need the most why because 40s are middle aged apparently and i tell you we are so confused middle aged people we're not happy with anything and then once you hit 50s 60s 70s is all over anyway you don't care about anything so listen to those guys because they don't care 40 year olds 70 year olds don't care what you think of them they'll just tell you what you need to hear it's good for us 40 year olds to hear have people over our lives 50 year olds have 60 year olds over you i don't know what but have somebody in your life to speak to you amen that's what i'm trying to say have someone who will speak who will say hey i want you to now go at the door and say hi to strangers oh that's not me why did you make serving god about you I love you God I want to serve you God but that's not I don't do that you see I wasn't brought up like that's not me But if you go stand there because somebody said divine appointment and I will tell you we had a young girl in our church she went they said hello to somebody and the guy used to come to our church he shook her hand what's your name what's your name next week she got a job with him And she goes Pastor, I wasn't even looking for a job. How cool is that? We don't know divine appointments, and I'm telling you, your divine appointment. Don't destroy them. Amen. Listen to somebody. Enco- ask someone to encourage you. To I know I'm going over time, but this is important. Please hear me. Ask someone to encourage you, challenge you, push you in the things of God. Don't worry about being burnt out. First of all, burn out for Jesus. Don't worry about burn out. As in burn out. Burn for Jesus first. Last point. Rejection to redemption. Not just redemption. I love about Jesus. He's not just about redemption. He gives us a legacy. 
And I want to read this and I want to close. Then Boaz said to the elders, because Boaz marries her now, and um, you are the witnesses that today that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kelion, Crybaby, and Sichel. And with the land I have acquired Ruth as my wife, the Moabite widow of Mehalon, uh, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on a family name and a husband, dead husband, and the, to inherit the family property here in his hometown. And you're all the witnesses today. So there's a wedding that takes place. But now let's jump to verse 18 of chapter 4. Okay? And we're going to sing after this, we're going to sing um, your Living Hope, that song. Ruth. 4 verse 18. This is my last verse. This is the genealogy record of their ancestor. This is, I want you to catch this. Now we have arrived. Okay, we have arrived. This is the journey we've arrived. And here, look at this. This is the ge genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Now look at this. This gets interesting. Boaz is the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. David was the father of Jesus. The lineology. Genealogy. How come a non-Christian woman comes in the genealogy of Jesus Christ? How come? That's in Matthew chapter 1. How come Somebody who grew up not knowing God becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. It's because she obeyed and God gave divine appointments. Sometimes you don't know what's happening in your life right now. You just need to obey God. Especially, can I speak now? Those that like to control your lives and control other people. Let go. Let God control. But I gotta have my everything controlled. The more you try to control, the more miserable you become. What God is teaching you is allow me to control your life. I thank God my great grandfather decided to give his heart to God. And my grandparents gave their hearts to God and both my mom's parents and dad's parents became pastors. My mom and dad were pastor's kids. Now guess this, my mom's side, she's got 10 siblings, about seven of them are died, three are lingering around. Um, I'll go see them soon. And, um, but our cousins, out of our cousins, in my mom's side, out of cousins, there are six of us in full-time ministry today. And then I come here last Sunday, here my son, 10 year old, full on hands up, singing his lungs out. It distracted me and I nod my wife and said, look at him. Wow. Instead of him giving you fingers and all that, 
He's saying, God, I love you. And he tells me while we're walking on Wellington streets, he's saying to me, Dad, I'm hearing the voice of God. I was praying because I was hurting. I was in pain. And the Lord said, keep praying because I will protect you. So he kept praying. That's the legacy I want to leave. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Do you want to look back and go, oh, the Lowe family, oh gosh. You know, my, no, no, no. Or do you want to go, wow, Lowe family, look at that. Godly legacy. You look at the McFarland family. Oh, godly legacy. Ogle family, godly legacy. Pello family, godly legacy. Sanchez family, godly legacy. Shaw family, godly legacy. I don't want us to be known as drunkards or money hungry people. Kenna family, oh, sold out for Jesus. What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Are you ready for those divine appointments? That you don't know what's happening, but you're saying, God, you are my hope. Christ is my hope. And so I just surrender everything I have to you. I know I've taken better time, but I want us to capture that this morning. Jesus, be my hope. I don't want to be recognized by my job, what I wear, what I drive. I want to be recognized by whom I belong to, who I serve. Can we stand to our feet? God saved you to give you divine appointments so you can lead other people to Christ. Because you just don't know how them giving their hearts to God, the legacy will be. We don't know what Miller's life will be. Miller, I don't know. And that's the beauty of it. But imagine if the Lord tarries which means the Lord decides to wait for a bit longer. That your children's children's children, which is your fourth generation from now, they'll say, I thank God for my great-granddad, Miller Han. I thank God for him because he chose to follow God and then he taught my great-grandparents. And my grandparents taught my parents how to follow God wholeheartedly. That I now, follow Jesus wow wow and here we are struggling to just live for the day I need to buy that car I need to buy this thing I need to drink that thing I need to wear that thing when Jesus is saying I've put you here so Josiah, Hannah, Abigail. Think about that. I know I'm crossing the time. Who cares? Please flow with me. Imagine that. That your kiddies, 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 kiddies will go, wow. My great-grandmother, man, she can sing. And so my father, Josiah, or my grandfather, Josiah, can sing. He can sing, man. But you see... That is the power of generations and legacy. Don't 
just live for the now. Live for God. You don't know what God can do through you and your children. We're going to sing that, Christ, our hope. And then I want to come and close. Amen. But I want you to listen to God this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
You know, as we were worshiping, I thought of this. Thank God for Bodhi who heard the voice of God and decided to go pray for Elijah. That's a divine appointment. Amen. And thank God for many more testimonies like that. The divine appointments. And now we see Elijah not only come as an intern and now he's going on mission trip, but they gave their hearts to God, got baptized. We just don't know what God can do, but God is powerful. Amen. He is powerful. He is, you serve a mighty God. You serve a God who will never let you down. You serve a God, He will never shame you. You serve a God, He will always uphold you. With His righteous hand, He will carry you, protect you, provide for you, and be with you. You got to trust God. Tamara and I believe that it's so great to see you grow, but as you follow God, I want to encourage you today, Tamara. I believe that God, as you follow God, there's going to be a legacy through you that will surprise the generations before you. But your heart is for God and don't listen to the world. Don't allow things to conflict in your head, but listen to Christ and His voice because the generation that's going to come through you will follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about tick the box of being a Christian. I'm talking about a follower of Christ. Pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus. It's great to see you blossom, but you're just beginning to blossom in Christ. Hallelujah. And I don't even know what the time is, but I'm, if you're fearful of your future, maybe you are not thinking I'm fearful, but you're striving for your future. Can I ask you to come and stand in the front? We want to pray with you this morning that you don't wrestle, strive in your own strength. Don't be a foolish person to build your house on the sand. Build your house on the rock, Jesus Christ. If you're fearful of your future, I want you to please come and stand here and the pastoral team will just pray over you and I believe with you that, that there will be a transfer. Fear gone. And the peace and faith of God will be instilled in you. Amen. Can we do that chorus? Hallelujah. And as we do that, if that's you, would you come forward? If you're fearful, doesn't matter what age. You may be in your teens. You might be in your 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. If you're fear of your future, don't know what's going to happen, please come. Because the Bible says, has given you hope and a future hallelujah so as we sing that chorus would you come be bold would you come and say what's going to happen with me don't worry about that God has got it in control hallelujah come on can we sing and let's just uh, wait in the presence of God come on